0: Pacers win the first game since Halliburton's injury. They beat the Wizards. They defend well. They have offensive balance. Jordan Wara steps up. Lots of other keynotes about this game and the Pacers upcoming Halliburton-Less Path on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, y'all, and welcome into another edition of the Locked Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we're talking about a win, which it's the Wizards. They kind of stink, but Tyrese Halliburton not playing the first game of that temporary era for the Pacers. What changed? What looked good? What looked bad? What is there to watch for going forward? Plus, look. The Wizards smoked the Pacers last month in a game Halberton played. They'll take it regardless of that. We'll talk about what happened, the tweaks to the rotation, other stuff that had to happen because of some late scratches. Who stepped up for the Pacers? Is any of this sustainable? What should they and should they keep trying to rely on in this upcoming stretch with six in a row now coming on the road? Almost two weeks away from Indy coming for the Pacers. And I will start thematically with this game, and where you fall on this scale, I think, one, describes what you thought of this game, and two, describes your outlook on the Pacers, next half dozen games, all being on the road. Pacers win 112-104 over the Wizards. A lot of moments where this was an ugly game. Uh, I think with two minutes to go in the half, or two and a half minutes-ish, the Wizards were shooting 36.6% from the field, and that was a better percentage than the Pacers were shooting. It was not pretty in the first half. The Pacers found a groove in the third, a good one, and that was a, enough for them to roll because every other quarter was within one, two, or three points except for the third where the Pacers absolutely dominated. So the way I would thematically zoom out from this game, and maybe this is a lazy-ish way to do it, is on one hand, I think the Pacers would say, we did not play well, and we won. And I think they'd be right to say that, right? Again, outside of that third quarter, they did—they their offense didn't, I mean, they didn't have Tyrese Albert, but 23 points in the first, 23 points in the fourth. In the second and third, they scored 66 combined. those were much better. But they did not play well in the first and fourth quarter, especially offensively. And you could say, well, they stunk in Minnesota and Boston without Tyrese Halbern, and that's accurate. But they scored 144 in Miami without him. So one line of thinking is the Pacers won and did not play well. That should be encouraging, right? If they start to play better with this group and look like they did in Miami, maybe they can look better without Tyrese Halbern. On the other hand, you could simply just stop at They didn't play well, right? They had two miserable quarters in this game. They had some clunky moments. They were throwing the ball over the gym. They took them, you know, 22 minutes to get their shooting percentage over 40, right? They didn't play well. And they happened to be playing the Wizards. And they did lose to the Wizards earlier, but it helped that they were playing the Wizards. How you feel on that scale, I think, kind of defines what you'll think about their stretch without Halbert. I'm kind of in the middle because we have the Miami game. I said I th- thought they'd be better than last year without them, even though I still said I think thought they'd be under 500, And I thought their successes were legitimately repeatable things, especially in that third quarter, despite their clunky game. But they did not play well, right? The, they had some things that I think are good, and they had some things go their way that I don't necessarily think are sustainable. So what happened in this game? How did they, they do this? I think the number you'll point to as, as a Pacers fan, if you're the Pacers, and say this is why – We feel good about what we did and how we can build this going forward. It's the 104 scored by the Wizards. Yes, I hear you all saying, oh, it's the Wizards. And I agree. The same Wizards scored 137 on the Pacers less than a month ago. (laughs) 26 days ago, right? And I get that the Pacers' defensive focus is different now than it was then, but still... They do not get the benefit of the doubt of opponent quality anymore with some of the losses, including Washington and Portland and Charlotte and Chicago when they weren't good yet and Toronto when they weren't good yet. This season, I don't have to go down the whole list, although I just did. They don't get that benefit. So 104 is great. That's tied for the fewest points the Pacers have allowed in a game this season. They had it. They had it at 102, and with the shot clock off, the Pacers didn't try on their offensive possession and then Denny Avdia hit a layup for some reason and then the Wizards didn't even foul so they weren't trying to win anymore but Denny Avdia still hit a layup so it ruined the Pacers calling it their best uh, defensive performance numbers wise of the season but it was tied for the best so good enough I think that was reasonably good right because Jordan Poole still did his thing for some reason he's just been tearing up the Pacers this year and Tyus Jones looked solid enough but Kuzma was off but in general Right? This was my theory of concept for the starting lineup they would choose, it, and they still had to evolve from that. And we'll talk about that in a second. But they started Andrew Nemhard, and they leaned into defense as much as they could. Jalen Smith was out, so Obi Toppin started at the four. But Nemhard, Neesmith, Brown gets you defense, and we know what Miles Turner can do on that end. Daniel Gafford did not have the greatest performance of his life uh, in this game. He shot the ball well, but on offense, he was in the way quite a bit. Either way, that d- group defended well, and you can even just look at the lineup stats and say 18 and a half minutes for that starting five today, 47 points for the Pacers, 44 allowed in 18 and a half minutes. That's pretty good. So I especially with Jalen Smith in for top end, you'd think that that group can defend well. Again, caveats, they played the Wizards, but they stunk against the Wizards again last month. So I think they'll be happy with that. Their opponent's shot quality was pretty low. Their shot quality was pretty good and their, shooting, their true shooting percentage was over 60 with that lineup. I think that was a successful thing that happened in this game was their defense and specifically their defense with that unit on the floor. I think that's something the Pacers can build off of and they can have a defensive identity going for it. That said, I also am receptive to and agree with, and you know, this was some chatter in the media rooms before the game, You know, do they need to significantly change their starting five without them to lean into more offense, right? Because until this third quarter, when that group started to play much better offensively, they stunk it up in the first half, right? They really, right at the beginning of the game, it was like, oh, man, (laughs) you know, this this was really brutal. They had four turnovers in, like, two minutes. Like, it was, they had nine points in the first six minutes of the game, right? (laughs) And they barely got to nine. They were at seven until right before it. Like, they were really struggling to score at first. Heald and Matherin come in in a 15-9 game, and then immediately the Pacers get right back in it, and I think they tied it at 21? Yeah, like a couple minutes later, right? So the bench group has Heald, has McConnell, um, and has Matherin. It is more offensive-based, but the starters figured out some offensive stuff in the third quarter. Miles Turner played well on that end. Obi Toppin was making his shots. Bruce Brown made some nice plays getting into the paint. And the bench actually defended better than I thought. So in total, they got enough defense and squeezed enough juice out of this that I think they're going to stick with trying this defensive identity and style for the next couple weeks. But I understand if they could say, well, this group did not defend very well. Jalen Smith didn't play. So their bench unit, they, they went 10 deep. I'm imagining they're going to go 10 deep when they can. And Jairus Walker also didn't play. Huge bummer. He probably would have been in the rotation tonight. So their bench group was Matherin, Heald, McConnell, Jackson, and Jordan Wara. Credit to Jordan Wara. We're going to talk about him because we don't get many chances to. He was really good. Um, that group could score. <laughs> Funnily enough, Matherin and Heald combined four for 18 in this game. But they had good plus minuses because they could get into the paint. They could move the ball. Matherin was rebounding and getting to the foul line. He took eight free throws, right? So all that was significant still, even though they weren't hitting shots. He'll always provide spacing, even if he's not doing anything in terms of makes. He's had a lot of offers recently. McConnell was great. Wara was great. Jackson was great. And so you look at the second unit, Heald, Wara, Jackson, Mather, and McConnell. They hockey subbed it. That group played 13 minutes. That's a lot for a five-man bench group. Speaks to the Pacers' depth. And in their 13 minutes, they were plus five. So if you want to catch the gist of some groups, the starters were plus three. The bench was plus five. That accounts for 32 minutes of time, 31 minutes, excuse me, of time for the Pacers, and they won by eight, and that group was plus eight. So the other 17 minutes of groups of mixing and matching were even, but they got enough out of the groups they had and the style they had. So what did we learn from this? I think that one, their rotation they chose for this game at least worked and is something I bet they'll try again in Atlanta. Maybe Jalen Smith plays and it changes a little bit, but it worked a bit. Uh, And two, their defense was successful and is perhaps something they can try to lean on they were playing the Wizards. Three, their balance was phenomenal. I think this was the key thing for them. We'll talk about it a little now and a little on the other side of the break. Seven guys in double figures without their lead creator. This is something Dave Strel and I talked about yesterday. It's not just losing Tyrese Halberton, right? He makes everybody else better. So if you're the Pacers, how do you try to get guys back to that level offensively without him? Can you actually do it? Well, having seven guys between 10 and 18 points will do it. Winning a game without a 20 point score, very unusual in the modern NBA, but the Pacers found a way to do it with that balance, and they had nine from Mora. So they were one away from eight guys in double figures, with their two most off shooters being the only two who couldn't make it. Their balance was key. We'll talk about that in just a second here. But first, I have to talk to you guys about the lovely people over at Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. It's simple you pick more than or less than on 2 to 6 player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in for example anthony davis is he get out more or less than two blocks or david Lillard, more or less than four three-pointers made those might not be the exact lines but similar to that and you can do that for two to six players and try to win with basketball season and the nfl overlapping right now for the playoffs, you can do their Specials League, which is created for combo projections, for example, LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, at a 10.5 combo of three-pointers made in receptions. Or you can play with some of Picks' favorite players, like rapper Meek Miller, comedian Andrew Strolls. They have community plays. to so play with celebrities. It's a blast. Go to prizepickscom slash lockdownNBA and use the code lockdownNBA when you sign up for a first deposit match up to $100. How about that? prizepickscom slash lockdownNBA. Use the code lockdownNBA for a first deposit deposit match up to $100 at Picks Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. Back here on Lockdown Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, check out Lockdown Wizards hear about the not so fun right now 6-win Washington Wizards or uh, after Locked On Wizards, listen to the So Wizards podcast, which is not a Locked On show, but I was on it yesterday with my man Kevin Broom. if you'd like a ton of Wizards content. Um, let's talk Pacers-Wizards and the balance thing that I was talking about before that ad break. I think this is going to be the second key behind defense for the Pacers' success and sustainability winning games without Tyrese Halberton in the lineup. Uh, and I, you know, I mentioned the numbers, seven guys between 10 and 18 points. That was great. The number that actually strikes me the most when you look at this, at one point they had 27 made shots in this game, and 23 of them were assisted. As it finishes, 41 makes 31 assists. Tyrese Halliburton, usually, you know, they, they lead the league in assists, they're the only team averaging over 30, but Halliburton's usually half of them, right? So, I I mean, they have good passers. Like, I don't want to say that without them, they're just lost in terms of shot creation. But... To get six from Bruce Brown and five from Nemhard and four from Buddy Heald and eight from McConnell and then three from this guy and that guy, those being the front court starters, they were really moving the ball. So I, I don't know that that identity is rock solid, can do it forever. They didn't shoot the greatest from three, for example. But I think they can, at least with the balance they have. They have a lot of guys who are capable scorers any night at least have that go well for them. And they have enough guys who are capable enough that it's hard to just lock in on one guy. Matherin was getting really high up pressure a lot when he would start his drives, and that did help him get to the line some. But other than him, everybody was you know, able to seize their space, able to move the ball, able to cut in a productive way. And so I think that is the thing, too. If the Pacers, I, I, they're not going to hold everybody to 104. In fact, they've only done it twice this season. But if they can defend well enough, and they can pass like this and have this this balance and ball movement where the ball's popping around and it doesn't really stick with anyone, I think that's going to be the, their blueprint for the wins they get with Hal Burnout. Now, can they do this against everybody? You know, a, be- a better defense? Probably not, right? That, teams that don't let them have s- space to seize, for example. Or a team that is better at understanding the mismatches or the switching. And, you know, like th- in the third quarter, they were just dumping it in a mouse in the post. Or a team that is more disciplined with the fouls. Like they got 22 for 24 from the line. was huge for the Pacers in this game. There's a lot of stuff that could flip uh, and not make it so easy. But that is what I think is going to be key for them. It's those blueprint items. And they can shoot better along the way. They only took... 25 threes if you if you are looking for things that made halberd's absence very obvious uh the four turnovers in like the first two minutes of the game 25 three-point attempts not only does it create them for others with his passing and ability to move the ball he shoots them (laughs) and a lot of them very easily you know those are the two numbers that stand out as the most obvious to me they only finished with 13 turnovers that's not too bad but that really struck me Um, but they did still win they had two things that i think are worth exploring and trying to figure out if they're sustainable. And I have a lot more I want to talk about from this game. I talked about the rotation, the balance, and the defense. This is something fascinating for the Pacers to me: um, is how they are trying to do that ball movement and play offensively when they don't have Tyrese Halbert. Right. So, so, so a striking thing about Tyrese Halbert's skill level is he can. He he's a passer. He's a setup man. He's going to get the ball to his teammates and on the score. He's naturally passed first, right? And a lot of guys are. But when you think of, like, a lot of very productive passers or very productive assist men, they they get to a lot of, you know, drive into the paint, make a defense rotate, and find the right pass from there, whether that's a lob, a kick, whatever it is. Halliburton does some of that, right, obviously. But his setups come from everywhere, right? Full court passes, over his shoulder stuff from, you know, the wing. They're not just the they're not so traditional even some other high volume guys are more traditional than him and so if you're going to get a lot of ball movement a lot of assists a lot of setting up others with passing without Tyrese salbert no one can do that on the pacers like mcconnell occasionally has some like whoa passes and bruce brown had some good passes in this game bruce brown did a lot of good stuff in this game like the blueprint for the why i think bruce brown is better than a lot of pacers fans do is a nine rebound six assist game when his shot isn't particularly reliable he was really good um but he was passing really well. But he can't do those wow passes like Tyrese Talbert. Nobody on the Pacers can. That's part of what makes Tyrese Talbert so amazing. So if they're going to move the ball really well and a lot and create open shots with passes, they have to rely stylistically on something else. And they can't, They can't. they tried to push the tempo. In fact, I think in the third quarter, they were much better at that than they were in the first half. But I think a key part of getting as much quality passing as they can out of the available unit is drives and I talk about drives being a valuable stat a lot but especially so for a team that is looking for ways to create and you know I, I forget what game it was J- Jeremiah Johnson does the halftime interviews with an assistant coach on the Valley Sports Indiana broadcast and one of them it was Jenny Busick and she was talking about how you know, she. I think she was asked a question of like what do you do to get the offense going in the second half and she described this Pacers philosophy of paint to great. And I've referenced that on this podcast a few times where they feel like if they get into the paint, they touch it and they play from there. You know, if that forces the defense to rotate or if there's an available pass in there, or even if they can just shoot. Anything from in the paint is a good start. Paint to great is the philosophy that, they, that she talked about. And drives are the way to get in the paint. Not everybody can just drive past the defender to get in the paint, right? If everybody could do it, everybody would do it. But the Pacers have a lot of capable guys. Andrew Nembhard with his strength and handling. Bruce Brown with his shiftiness. He looks smoother since his injury. Aaron Neesmith's got this new shot fake and drive. Uh, TJ McConnell obviously can. Buddy Heald had some drives in this game. Matherin can get by basically anybody, right? That's a lot of guys who can drive consistently is not always the case with those guys. But they can. So if you look at the Pacers on the season, they're fourth in the NBA in drives. OKC's first by a mile. And then it's Charlotte, Brooklyn, Indiana, New York, right? So a, a really good team, two pretty good teams, one mad team, and an awful team. It's not like drives are locked in, correlated with success. Um, you know, two of the bottom three teams are the Lakers and Warriors, who kind of stink this year. Um, but you can see how it helps some teams, especially the Thunder. And for the Pacers specifically, I, I've rambled too long about this. Drives are a way for them to create ways to pass and create opportunities for themselves without Tyrese Halberton playing. So on the season, they averaged 55.2, like I said, drives per game. In the three games prior to tonight, it takes a while for the NBA to log all the drives and put them in. So I don't have them for tonight, but I I watched the game, I can tell you that they were driving more. In the three games without Tyrese Halberton this season, Right? they played in Minnesota uh, mid-December last month. They lost that game, but they had 72 drives. That's way above their season average. They played uh, early December in Miami without Tyrese Halliburton. That game, they had 55 drives right at their season average. And they were running ridiculously hot from three in that game. And they played in Boston really early November, their first game without Tyrese Halliburton. In that game, they had 65 drives, right? So on average in the three games without him prior to tonight, they clearly clearly put an emphasis on let's get in the paint and play from there. That's who can pass the ball you know, pretty well without Tyrese Halberton. And I, th- uh, you could tell that that was a point again in this game. So much of the Wizards went zone at one point, right? And Bruce Brown tore that up. He was doing a good job in the middle of it. But that is what the Pacers, I think, if they're going to be this balanced team that moves it really well, are going to rely on is doing exactly that. Drives and passing from them. And I think you saw what that blueprint looks like in this game. And, you know, for I, I could do another number, right? 22.9 passes from drives per game for the Pacers in the Minnesota game. That's 32 dra- passes off of drives, 44% higher than the normal average. In Miami in the win, they, their passes actually weren't as high. <laughs> Again, they made a million threes. And then in the um, the Boston one, 27 passes, 41.5%. Both two of the three above their season average. So all that to say, you really saw it come alive for the Pacers as the game progressed and they and they figured out exactly how they wanted to attack but once they got the drives going once they got into the paint and were spraying out from there consistently that's when they looked at their best that's when they were drawing fouls and getting to the line you know getting up 24 free throws was significant in this game that's when they got a lot of their quality assists and that's where they were able to get to some mid-range shots that were really not falling at all in the first half it was pretty ugly but started to fall in the second half so Key parts of this game and things I want to see the Pacers keep going to if they're going to win without Halliburton would be the defensive level, uh, the balance on offense, and the passing. And how they did that was by driving, getting into the paint, spraying from there. I hope the drive numbers come out pretty soon so I can continue to use those numbers to talk positively about what the Pacers did. We got to talk a little bit about this rotation. Jordan Wara playing and playing well, and the Pacers up. Coming road trip to close out today's show. Before we do any of that, though, I have to talk to you guys about the lovely people over at Jace Medical. We come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. That's scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if a significant other or someone close to me got really sick while supply chain issue kept them from getting. Very important, life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, here, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. They have the Jace case, which is a pack of five different antibiotics that can treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could really happen to anybody. Visit JaceMedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It'll be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular costs, it's never been more important to be prepared than today. So go to jacemedical.com, j-a-s-c medical.com, and use the offer code lockeddown You'll get twenty dollars off your order. That's medical.com, code Lockdown. Back here on Lockdown Pacers, thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Check out Lockdown Warriors because, whew, oof, my goodness, every storyline in the NBA is pointing at the Warriors right now. They are not playing good basketball. Uh, Lockdown Warriors will have the latest on a team trying to get Draymond Green back. Young guys not happy with their minutes. Losses mounting. The Steph Curry era teetering, perhaps. A dynasty on the end. We'll see, but Lockdown Warriors will have the latest and contextualize that all for you. One of the most interesting teams in the league right now. To me, the Pacers were very interesting tonight. Um, uh, We thought we knew what the rotation would be. We saw the second half of the Boston game on on Monday. That looks like it's what it would have been. If they had all those guys, but right before the game, right before the game, we learn Jairus Walker, let's start with him. He's out, upper respiratory infection. He played in the morning in the Mad Ants game on an assignment, got sick throughout the day, couldn't go for the Pacers. Jalen Smith was at the Pacers walkthrough at their prep for the Wizards game. He keeps reaching for his back. His back's in pain, right? And he's he's going through everything. It seems like everything's good. And Rick Carlisle says, "Hey, go get that checked out. Let's go, you know, go go to the med staff." And the med staff works on it, and they find out, you know, less than an hour before the game, or at least that's when it came to us. He's not playing. Jalen Smith's out. He's got back pain, right? So all of a sudden, there's no starting for, um, and there's no guy who you'd immediately want to fill in behind Obi Toppin. So they had a big change at those positions right before the game. We'll see if either of them are long term things. Um, I don't imagine that, but I don't know that. I did see Jalen Smith walking around at one point today. So my prediction for both is not long-term. We'll see. Either way, they had to make changes. I already talked about Obi Toppin starting. I think that makes sense against the Wizards. One, because his offense is nice against a crappy defense. He hit three threes. He got seven rebounds. He had three assists, right? That is an Obi Toppin game for it. If he makes threes, which is not a skill that anyone expected him to have this season, but he's still at over 40% for the year. Making re- grabbing rebounds, he's been great at that. And assists, only averaging one and a half per game. Doing that, of course, adds to it. Um that's all that's a great game for him. We already talked about that. But then they had to have a backup, and normally that would have been Jarrus Walker, but he was also out. So they had to go down to Jordan Wara, who drew the shortest straw this season, right? You can't blame the Pacers for drafting Jarrus Walker or trading for Obi Toppin at the prices they did. But that sucked away all of Jordan Wara's minutes despite him playing well last season. So Rick Carlisle gushed about him post game, saying he's been such professional for us, right? He, he's had a tough situation, a lot of DNPs, but he was ready tonight. And Jordan Wara deserves a ton of, to use a lockdown heat term here, a lot of credit cookies <laughs> for the Pacers today. To come in cold, he hasn't been in the rotation hardly at all this season, right? A lot of his minutes have come in garbage time or with the reserves. And again, this is all stuff that makes sense. It just really sucks for Jordan Wara. But he got in meaningful time in this game, which hasn't happened to him in quite a while in terms of you know, a game that they needed somebody to play. I think in Boston, without Halliburton, he was in the rotation. Um, in Minnesota, I think, against the Clippers, he was for a little bit, although they got smoked that game. Um, but this one, he really was all game, and he did a very good job. This was maybe his best complete performance of the season. Fisher was nine points. That's his second most of the year behind that Magic game where he was going crazy. Uh, he added five rebounds I also believe that is that ties his season high Uh, he had a bunch of good defensive moments too this was really interesting he had two terrible defensive moments where the Wizards hit a three because his man was wide open and he immediately realized it was his fault he wasn't standing in the right spot but a lot of the game uh, you know, I hate to step on my own toes right away, but he defended really well. Like He was fighting over screens. He was staying with whoever he was on, whether that was Kuzma, whether that was Avdia, whether that was some forward from the bench, Kispert, Koulibaly, whatever. He did a really good job of staying on them and fighting over screens and making it hard for them to either get into the paint or have a deterrent when they got there. And he was credited for his play on both ends in this game. T.J. McConnell did so in the locker room, crediting his defense and rebounding. This was probably for my money. You know, He had that money offensive game against the magic, guided the Pacers from down 40 to down like 10 <laughs> in the fourth quarter, but his defense wasn't at this good in that game. In this game, he played well on both ends. For my money, especially given that he was in the rotation, his best game of the season. Of the season. Who knows what their bench looks like with other players and they needed their bench to be good. He was in their, you know, one of their best lineups all night. Uh he was really good. They needed Jordan Warren to be really good and he was. And credit to him for being a professional, being ready to do that. We don't talk about him a lot on this show uh, because he hasn't. You know, that was his fifteenth game. He's played in less than half of the Pacers games, but he did well in this one. He earned a lot of talk, uh, and we'll see if Jalen Smith or Jarris Walker's absences allow that to be the case again. But credit to Jordan Wara, he stepped up when it mattered. The rotation in general for the Pacers, though, I imagine if Jalen Smith had played, Obi Toppin would have just been the bench four, and it would have been exactly kind of as expected. The minutes distribution. Nothing particularly weird about it. Matherin ends up playing more than Nemhard and Bruce Brown and Aaron Neesmith and Obi Taubin because he's probably their best you know, offensive, get-the-ball-into-the-paint kind of attacker. And I think that's going to be a consistent thing for this Pacers team. You go back to those drives. You go back to what their offense could look like. I think that's going to be a thing where he's playing a lot. And you know, he played the most of any perimeter player. Only Miles Turner with more minutes than Matherin in this game. But in general, their minutes were really spread out. Only Turner hit 30 minutes in this game, and and some of that's just that some of these guys aren't used to 30 minutes. You got to be careful with that kind of thing, and Turner was, and Turner was great. He led the team in scoring, 13 rebounds for Miles Turner, six offensive rebounds for Miles Turner. He was really good. In this game, fighting for the boards, making sure they got a win. But in general, this rotation, less minutes for everybody, right? So they can have more energy when they are out there. Again, another thing that I think, I didn't ever talk about this, but now that I saw it in action, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, Matherin especially playing a lot makes a lot of sense. And if you can do it in that way where every, you know they had seven guys at over 20 minutes and the three that weren't there, Jackson, Warren, and Heald, were all above 17, You know, they're really spreading it out. I think that's going to be interesting to see. If they can continue to do that and get away with that in this game, certainly they could, but if they can, I think that's smart. It's something they should continue to do. So stuff that went well for the Pacers in the first game without Halliburton, defense, ball movement and balance, things that did not go well, shooting, turnovers early in the game, stuff that they'll hope will go better, and general connectivity. Their offense just looked really clunky. They were not making anything for a while, we will see what sustains and what doesn't when they play much tougher opponents coming up. Six game road trip starts on Friday in Atlanta before a West Coast swing. Tough, their longest road trip of the season at six games. They can beat the Hawks to me without Tyrese Halburn, they can beat the Blazers to me without Tyrese Halburn. Will they? I don't know. Phoenix is tough on the end of a trip. The altitude games are tough and they're a back-to-back. Utah's good now. The Kings is going to be an emotional game. They got three days off before that. But that's a tough team. It's going to be tough for the Pacers. Two wins would be awesome for them on this trip. We will see how it goes. And we will cover it all right here on the Locked on Pacers podcast. As they proceed, and speaking of the road trip, Tyrese Halbern is going on it. Uh, The team doctors will be there. It makes sense for him to go if he can. Uh, He can rehab on the road. I think one that Tells you a little bit about the severity of it. And two, it's great for team morale, right? So that's great news for the Pacers. It sounded like from talking to people that Tyrese Halbert was really uplifted by the news and the severity of it. So Pacers move on from here. They get a win. They're now 2-2 two and two without Tyrese Halbert in this season, although one of them was this Wizards game that went in Miami, carrying a lot of weight in those talks. We will see what they are after this six-game trip. Tomorrow, Rhett Bauer will join us to talk more about what we saw in the first Pacers game without Tyrese Halliburton, stuff that may need to change, the road trip coming up, and plenty more about the Pacers as they march on in their new temporary reality. And then next Monday, a lot of trade stuff. That will be January 15th when everybody who will be available to be traded this season is eligible to be traded, and I'll have missed the weekend's games at a bachelor party, so I will record that episode early, and then hopefully it's not irrelevant or completely buried. Should be really fun. Hope you guys enjoy it. Till then, we will see you tomorrow. I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. This show is on Twitter at Pacers. I said this earlier this week, and I'll say it for the last time this week right now. If you are listening on Apple, please give me a five-star review if you like the show. That'd be really, really appreciated. You guys are the best. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Till then, everybody, have a fantastic day.